Good evening. Uh, today is Monday, January 15th, and we are doing this a little bit later uh, today. And uh, hopefully uh, you have gotten home Good safely. Evening. Hey, no, you zip it over there. Uh, you. Today. I'm going to figure this out one of these Good days. Evening. Uh, nope. Today. Apparently I have it on multiple different tabs. All right. We can just listen to me echo all day long. All right. So... Now that those interruptions are done. Um, anyways, as I was saying before, I was so rudely interrupted by myself. Uh, hopefully you have gotten home safe. Uh, I know the roads are starting to get a little yucky out there. Uh, it's been dumping snow all day, and I think it's supposed to continue all night, too. So, uh, Either way, uh, here we are, another week. Uh, this time we're going to be studying the chapter uh, 6, chapter 6 of the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, as you can see here in our graphic, right there, right there, uh, we're reading through Matthew chapters 6 through 11 this week. Uh, it's five chapters, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. Are we just doing 6 through 10? I think we're just doing 6 through 10. I need to edit that. My math skills are not the greatest. Matthew's were, though. He was a tax collector. Uh, so we're doing Matthew chapter 6 through 10 this week, not 6 through 11. Uh, either way, uh, if you read 11, you get a head start on next week. So um, let's get started. Let's get into Matthew chapter 6. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. We can stop right there. That's basically the entire theme of Matthew chapter 6. But we won't. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret." And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And then Jesus talks about prayer. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. What is their reward? Well, you have to look at and consider their purpose to understand the reward. You see, their purpose was not to be seen or heard by God, but it was to be seen or heard by others. And they were. And so they've got their reward. But see, our reward is in heaven, and so our goal is to be seen and heard by God. And so again, it speaks to the motivation and what, and what Jesus said at the beginning. Verse 6, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So there's an interesting uh, uh, conversation, an interesting topic there about forgiveness and why we should be forgiving others. Just as if you continue back and go back into verse 5, why we should love our enemies, why we should love one another, why we should respect one another, because the Father first loved us, and because God is willing and um, able to forgive us our trespasses, so too should we do that for our friends, and, and even those who aren't our friends, uh, but our enemies as well. Now, the Lord's Prayer, uh, as it is often labeled here in the in the in the in Bible, is uh, is a model prayer. Of course, when we look throughout the rest of Scripture, um, we never see, except for the other instance in which Jesus presents this in Luke, uh, we never see uh, this prayer offered by uh, an apostle, by, uh, by Paul, by Peter, uh, or anyone. Instead, we read often uh, as Peter opens, or, or I'm sorry, Paul opens or closes his letters, he talks about how he prays for them often. He's lifting them up in prayer, and so that's definitely a side of prayer that that we learn about there. But what Jesus is saying here is that in our prayers we should be reverent to God, hallowed be Thy name, um, be thankful for the things that we have, give us this day our daily bread, thankful for the kingdom that is here. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus echoes that in His prayer in the garden. And of course, we have John chapter 17, which is a lengthy prayer of Jesus's. It's called the high priestly prayer, as some uh, Bibles refer to it. And of course, within that, we don't see these words echoed. And I think oftentimes when we echo these words without meaning or heart behind them, if we say these things without the proper intent, as Jesus is teaching here, um, then they can fall into that category of what the Gentiles do and heaping up empty phrases. Uh, in order to be heard, in order to be seen. Um, and that's not the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is not to gather together and to recite this prayer that perhaps doesn't have a whole lot of meaning because we've just memorized it and and uh, we're not putting any other application behind it. Instead, when we pray, we're to be we are to pray to be heard by God. It's a conversation with God. And it's something, frankly, that, that the Jews and, and others really didn't have a whole lot of of experience with. Of course, they had their prayers and such, but <clears throat> the prayers were often uh, offered um, in the temples. Um, and so uh, this communication with God, um, you know, the, the high priest would go between the curtain, right? The curtain is what separated man from God. And then, uh, and so the high priest was um, able to go behind that curtain and, and talk to God uh, and and present these things to him uh, because man was separated from from God. Um, but, of course, when Jesus died, what happened to that curtain? Right? It tore. That, that separation went away because in Christ, Christ is our mediator, the Bible says, and, and he has uh, presented us with um, the phone line, if you will. He is our service provider uh, to be able to connect with God and speak to him in prayer. Now, let's talk about fasting. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. 
Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Again, they're doing these things. They're, oh, I'm so hungry. Oh, you got a hamburger. Oh, I want that hamburger. Right? They're doing that to be seen by others. Woe is me. I'm fasting. Have pity on me. I'm fasting. And that's what I expect here. So their reward is that they were seen by others, just like we just talked about with prayer. Verse 17, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face Right? Clean yourself. Get right. Look right. right. Don't look disheveled on purpose so that others will take pity upon you, but instead, look normal. Clean yourself up. That your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. Right? People aren't supposed to see that you're fasting. The fasting is between you and God. That's the purpose of it. And so, And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So again, we have another instance of something that is to be done in order to be seen by God and not to be seen by others. It's again, the intent of the heart, much as what we talked about in the last chapter, in chapter 5. Verse 19, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So there's an important part of this that I want to point to, and that's how people stored their treasures and stored their valuable things back in that day. Now, there weren't necessarily banks like we have today in which you take your money and it just goes off and disappears somewhere. All right? Instead, they took care of their things and they hid them. They hid them in their houses. They buried them in the ground where rusts can attack, where uh, moths can eat up the treasures, where thieves can steal it, right? Uh, where truly they are never safe when they are when they are uh, stored in that way. Uh, and so what Jesus is saying is that our treasures need to be laid up in heaven, that our earthly treasures, they're meaningless. They, they pass away. Uh, you know, there's so many um, people who have gone through life and have accrued such wealth that at the end of their lives, they don't know what to do with it. Of course, many times they pass it down to their children or they... they uh, later in their later years, they become very philanthropic with their money and start giving their money away to people because they come to the realization that all this money they have can't go with them. You can't take it with you. You know, you could bury it with you, but what good does that do? Again, we come back to where moths and rust and where thieves break in and steal. And you think about, I think about uh, the Egyptian pharaohs and all the treasures that they were buried with, all these massive amounts of gold and jewels and and all of this stuff that they were buried with because somehow it went with them into the afterlife. Well, then you have grave robbers who came in and stole it all away, or then you have archaeologists who come in thousands of years later and take it all out of your tomb anyways and put them on display in a museum. Uh, you know, a lot of good that did. It didn't go with you in the afterlife. In fact, a bunch of people took it, right? So uh, that's kind of the, the focus of this. Our treasure, our true treasure in life, if we are connected with Christ, and we are uh, truly God's children because we have uh, obeyed God's will and we have obeyed the gospel and we have become one with Christ in baptism uh, and we are living uh, our lives accordingly, then our treasure is in heaven. That last sentence, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You can flip that around. Where your heart is, there your treasure is also. Where's your heart? Is your heart focused on heaven or is it focused on things of this world? That's the heart of this section. The next section here talks about another part of the body, but not the heart, but the eye. 
but of course it's relating to the heart metaphorically. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? So Jesus is using a metaphor that is, or an illustration that would be very common in that day, and that's that of blindness. Um, God is not saying that if you are blind, of course, that you are full of darkness, that you're a bad person. But physically, when your eye is bad, you are filled with darkness. There is no light. If you are blind, you can't see light because you're blind. Uh, but if your eye is good or you're not blind, then you can see light. And I can see a lot of light around me right now. Um, so uh, what what Jesus is saying here is that, um, you know, what you put in, what you take in to the body is what fills you, right? Don't fill your body with darkness. And I think the last portion there, too, talks to uh, if the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? You know, a lot of people claim to be in the light, claim to be walking in the light, but in reality they are full of darkness. Uh, the light is not truly in them because they are, um, they are not obedient to the word, they are not... Um, they are not doing the things that they are expected to be done uh, as a Christian as well. So um, a lot can go into that, uh, but we'll leave it there for now. Verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I think uh, it's... Uh, <coughs> excuse me. I think uh, in Luke, uh, Luke's account um, uses the term mammon in place of money, which is a Chaldean word for wealth. Uh, you cannot serve God and wealth. Um, and basically, the, the, the point of that is, is um, uh, again, the heart, the intent of the heart. Why are you accruing wealth? It's, Jesus isn't saying it's not okay to be wealthy. He's saying if you are pursuing wealth for that being the end, right, the, 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 the goal of becoming wealthy, not using that wealth, to glorify God or to serve God, but in order to just say, hey, look at me, I'm rich. And that's not the purpose, and that's not the good thing. That's becoming a servant of wealth. And to that extent as well, by putting up um, or or devoting so much time and effort and, and motivation to becoming rich and, and earning a lot of money and in turn um, forsaking your family, uh, forsaking your faith, etc., those things can tie into the um, quote-unquote serving wealth. Do not be anxious. Next section. Therefore I tell you, verse 25, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is it not life, or is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? There's a, there's a piece of wisdom right there. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Talking about the flowers. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? <coughs> For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. 
But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That's just a beautiful section of scripture. And it is so encouraging. You know, there are so many things in this life and in this world that we just worry ourselves sick about. Things that we don't need to be worrying ourselves about. You know, Jesus specifically speaks about food and, 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 and clothing. And while those things are essential to life, um, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all those other things will be taken care of. He's not saying, you know, that, that you have to, that if you just seek God and you seek his righteousness and that's all you, all you do, that's it. That God's just going to magically throw food on your plate. You see, seeking the kingdom of heaven and seeking his righteousness means taking care of yourself, taking care of your family. Uh, there's a verse, uh, I didn't write it down, and I don't remember which Timothy, which book of Timothy it's in, in which, uh, which Paul speaks about the necessity and the requirement of a man to take care of his family, to have a job, to work. That's all part of seeking the kingdom. It's all part of of uh, seeking his righteousness. Uh, and, and of course, being a light of, in the world, being the salt of the earth, um, because if you're not a part of the society, uh, how can you do those things? Um, so there's a lot, of course, in this as well. But I think the main thing that I want to look at here, especially in terms of worry and anxiousness, is the fact that worry can become sinful. Uh, if you, <coughs> excuse me, if you are worrying so much and not putting your trust in God, um, for the things um, in, the, in the sustaining um, hope that you have, then there's, there's problems there. Of course, that trust always belongs with God. Uh, the final thought I want to leave, uh, leave you with today uh, is uh, back in our, the beginning of chapter 6 here in verses 1 through 18. Uh, and just talking about these things, these things to be done in secret, and these things to be done um, between you and God. You know, Jesus is not saying here that, that your Christianity, that your faith needs to be a secret. In fact, Scripture tells us quite the opposite. Uh, instead, what Jesus is saying here is that um, we're, we're supposed to be doing it not to be seen. You know, we're supposed to be doing it to please God and to glorify God. And in fact, if we go back, all the way back up to chapter 5, verse, or is it 14? Yeah, the light of the world. You're the light of the world. A city set on the hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Well, how can we do that if we're practicing Christianity in secret? See, what Jesus is saying in, in chapter 6 is that the things in secret that are to be done are, it does not mean don't let anybody know that you're a Christian. Don't let anybody know that you have faith. We have to be seen. We have to be distinct. We were, we were made to stand out. We were made to be different. And I think all too often we spend a lot of our lives working and worrying so much about fitting in, about being a part of 
everybody else and being accepted when God created us to stand out. He created us to be special. He created us to be his chosen people. We're his creation. We were made to glorify him and him alone. You see, all these things that Jesus talks about, about giving, about fasting, about praying, this, these are not if things. These are when things. When you do this. So if you're not praying, if you're not fasting, if you're not giving to the needy, then you're not fulfilling what Jesus is telling us to do. But when you do do it, make sure that you're doing it not to be seen by man, but to be seen by God. We need to be doing these things. We need to be giving. We need to be praying. We need to be fasting because we love God, not because we want others to love us or to be impressed by what it is we're doing. Christianity isn't about being seen. It's about glorifying God. It's about giving Him the glory and making His light that is shining through us light up this dark world. I hope that's been an encouragement to you. I hope that helps jumpstart your study a little bit uh, as you get uh, deeper into Matthew chapter 6. Uh, tomorrow we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 7 and uh, looking at uh, some one-on-one -on -one interactions that Jesus starts to get into as he starts his earthly ministry, uh, starts healing people and interacting with people, etc. So we'll get into that tomorrow. Uh, but in the meantime, I hope that you have a wonderful evening. Um, as I mentioned in previous videos, and I'll mention it again, if you'd like to get uh, the previous studies that we've gone through uh, so far, Matthew chapters 1 through 6, uh, you can do so at loveland.church right there. Here's a little preview of that. Loveland.church, you can uh, learn all you can about our website or our church congregation there. But if you go up to the top bar and click on media and then daily Bible study, uh, you can actually see uh, the videos of the previous studies that we've done so far in Matthew chapters 1 through 5 and 6. And if you scroll all the way, <coughs> excuse me, down to the bottom, uh, there are a couple buttons down there that allow you to subscribe to this ver uh, this daily Bible study in podcast form on either iTunes, uh, Google Play, uh, or if you utilize some other uh, podcast listening service utilizing RSS feeds, there's a button for that as well. Ultimately, I hope this series uh, and this, these video um, commentaries and readings and studies or whatever are, are, uh, are, are beneficial to you. Um, I w happily uh, appreciate your feedback and, and insights into into this. Uh, if you have any questions or feedback, you can always reach out to me at uh, minister at loveland.church. Uh, of course, you can always leave a comment in this video on the Facebook feed. Um, and I look forward to uh, talking with you all again tomorrow as we read through Matthew chapter 7. If you want to read that ahead of time, go ahead. Uh, but I'll try to put out a, uh, <clears throat> a scheduled notification on our Facebook page indicating what time uh, we'll go live so that you can plan ahead. And the, uh, if you see that pop up on Facebook, you can actually click on it to have it remind you. And so you'll get a notification when this actually does go live. So I hope to see you all tomorrow. Uh, until then, have a blessed evening. Stay safe uh, and God bless.